Welcome to Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. Be part of a conversation between Graham Hood, champion fisherman, airline pilot and school dropout, and Ali Gonzalez, wannabe fisherman and holder of more useless degrees than you can poke a stick at. What could these two possibly have in common? The fact that neither of them have anything to hide. That's what. Mates in Courage. Take a listen. How you doing, Ali? I'm doing fine. You always say that. Fine's a weather forecast. How are you really doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> well, okay. okay. Well's, well's the thing you get water out of. I was thinking about you the other day. Why? I think about you all the time. Um, I'm going to make you feel really uncomfortable by calling you Dr. Ellie. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Dr. Ellie. <laughs> uh, one of my best mates is a doctor. How strange is that? A useless doctor. I can't fix anything. I don't know. You've done a pretty good job in my life yeah, well, in lots of ways. Not the last time you had a cold. I didn't help much. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I was thinking about you and I was thinking about your education and your doctorates and and I was thinking about all the times you've spent. You must have spent nearly half your life in school. Yeah, I've, uh, I have. I was adding it up. I've spent more than a quarter of a century at school. I, I finished uh, year 12, finished high school, and then I kind of never left. Far out. I mean, I was working, but... In... Quarter of a century? Yeah. I spent, I think, six years or seven years in school. What's wrong with you? School's oh, great. School's great? Really? Well... No, school is good. Education is good. School isn't always good. Oh, it was good for me because I discovered that I was I was good at doing school, whereas I couldn't get a sense of achievement and uh, success elsewhere. School kind of, you know, seemed to help out in that area. So I, I threw myself into it. Okay. Yeah. Were you a nerdy kid at school? Yeah. Because you're a nerdy guy now. Oh, thanks. No, I mean that with all, you know, you know what Australians are like. Well, oh, I know. Yeah. You, the more you tear your mate down, the more the more actually you're uplifting him. Upholding. Is that how it works? It's kind of a destructive way of doing it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was obviously well accepted at school when I was a kid because uh, I got picked on, so they were tearing me down, so I guess it meant that they loved me all the more, the more they bullied me. Is really? that how it works? I reckon it works along the lines of um, people attack you because they see things in you that they wish they had oh. and they haven't got. Yeah. So in order to make them feel good, they make try and make you look and feel bad. Yeah. It's easy to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys, though. Yeah, well, that's it. I did all right at school. Did you? Well, you must have done, because you're Dr. Ellie. Yeah, and you mustn't have done, because you're Captain Graham Hood. How did you get to be Captain Graham Hood anyway, when you only did six years of school? Ooh, I hope the boss isn't listening. That's another story. That's another story, yeah. 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 So from someone who did all right at school, why didn't you? Because you are very intelligent. Yeah, thank you. I didn't because we've talked about the dysfunction in my family, but you had dysfunction in your family too. Sure. And you did well, and lots of people do well. I just wanted everything yesterday, and school was a process that was way too long. And I was a fat, dumpy little kid. I had um, had a... uh, I had a birthmark on the side of my head about as big as a billiard ball. There was this ball patch on my head and my mum for some reason thought the easiest way to look after his hair is to give him a crew cut, you know, a number one cut. Mm. So my I couldn't cover my 
ball patch on the side of my head with hair or anything like that. No, so. I've been trying in recent years too. It doesn't work. <laughs> At least you don't do the comb over. No, no. And no offence to anyone who does that either who's listening. But um, <laughs> you, uh, yeah, I just I got picked on at school too. I, I was picked on. Um, always felt like the ugly duckling at school. Yeah. So I I just hated it. I remember at high school, I had a photographic memory, mm. photographic memory all the way up till first year at high school. Wow. And then I lost it in puberty, which often happens. Oh. And that also coincided with the, the same year that I discovered pornography. So I think there's a link between the two. Fried your brain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, messes with your brain. Porn does. Mm. And, it, it, you know, it became all consuming. So I lost my photographic memory. Mm. And all of a sudden I was in an environment where I actually had to study and do homework. Mm. And I, I was never able to make the grade. And so I was always being put down by the teachers and put down by the other kids at school. And then in my first year at high school, I developed rheumatic fever. And we lived in a caravan in the bush at that wow. at that time. And, and mum and dad were working. And I, mm. they, I had to spend six months at home recovering in this 15-foot caravan. And uh, they didn't go to school to get me work to do or keep me mm. up to date. And when I came back to school after six months, I walked into... The first period of high school was on the day I returned was maths class. Mm. And when I left, we were doing long division. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, they were doing algebra. And so <laughs> the teacher wearing it, Mr. Preston, he's probably dead now. Yeah, I don't know why some people teach. Anyway, walked in with his grey dust coat on and his cane under his arm and he grabbed a piece of chalk and he walked up to the board and I'm sitting in the front row. Mm-hmm. And everyone's sort of, nobody's communicating with me anymore because I'm out of the clique. I've been away for so long. Yeah. And he gets a piece of chalk and he writes A plus B equals da, 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 da. And I'm looking at him writing and I'm thinking, he's not using numbers. Am I in an English class? Is this, what's going on? Mm. And he said, Hood, get up here, grab this chalk and solve that problem. And I got up there and I'm standing with my back to the class and I'm trying to solve this problem of Mm. algebra. Mm. And I'm just putting the chalk on the board and trying to logically work out what's going on. And he hit me across the back of the shoulder with, a, with his cane. Oh. And he said, Hood, you haven't done any work, have you? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you've been away. You haven't done any work at all, have you? I said, I haven't had any work given to me to do, Mr. Preston. And he poked me with a stick into the corner next to the blackboard. Mm. And he said, I want you to stand there for the next 40 minutes in this period with your face in the corner. Mm. And uh, while he did that, he went on to solve the problem on the board. And while he was working on the blackboard, other kids were flicking bits of paper at me and mm. I felt degraded. And uh, and he whacked me across the cane and said, are you paying attention, Hood? And I turned around and I said, you idiot, how can I pay attention when I've got my face in the corner? How can I see what you're doing? And he said, what did you call me? I said, you're an idiot. All of and, that's reasonable, by the way. <laughs> it was. And he smacked me across the back with the cane again, and I grabbed him and pushed him up against the wall, and next minute I was marched off to the principal's office where I got six cuts of the cane. Ooh. And after I got the cane, the principal said, what's this about, by the way? He said to the maths teacher. And I told the principal what had happened, and he, I could see the, by the look on his face that he wished he'd known that before he'd caned me because Ooh. he wasn't impressed. Ooh. Anyway... That was my last day at high school. I never went back again. You know, while you were telling me that mm. and knowing you, I was thinking this would have been Hoodie's last day at high school. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was. It really was. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's that once again is another story. But um, school wasn't a whole lot of fun for yeah. me. Well, I, look, I enjoyed school because I was, in the, in the scale of nerds, I was the second greatest nerd. Who was the greatest? In, in, I'm going to tell you about that. Cool. Right. I went to a public school 
in primary school. And I avoided uh, most of the bashings because I had a, a quick tongue. I could talk myself out of anything. Yep. Right. And I took most of the, the teasing and the bullying with a, with a grain of salt. That, you know, I sort of made light of it. Uh, it was my way of coping with it. And, you know, people who know me know that I've got a pretty good sense of humour. Yep. Uh, yeah, I avoided uh, all of the bashings except one. I said I was the second biggest nerd in the school. Yeah. I got bashed up by the biggest nerd in the school because he wanted to establish the pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> There's and, a pecking order for nerds. And, and he was my friend, you know, because the nerd nerds tend to hang together. Yeah. And I think he just wanted to prove to himself that he could do it. So he, he sort of uh, lured me around the back of the school one day and he literally got stuck into me with his fists and he bashed me just, just for fun. Did he give you a reason? No. Just because he wanted, in my mind, he, he wanted to prove that he wasn't the biggest nerd in the school. How did you respond to that? Was he still your friend? Well, no, not really, not as much. And I, I don't remember even ever responding to it. Never did anything about it. You know, just ignored it. Yeah, okay. And that's just, that's just how, how it went. And then when I was in high school, I always managed to make sure I was the friend of the biggest bully. In, in my age range. How'd you do that? Just by saying nice things to him and, you know. Codependent. Yeah, that's right. That's the story of my life. <laughs> but it saved, it saved my butt so many times, you know, yeah. in the locker rooms. Yeah. You know, we're all crushed in together and, and I, so, suddenly, you know, there'd be a couple of boys threatening me and there'd be this massive hulk of a, uh, a guy who'd come between us and grab them by the, their, their collars and haul them up and tell them to leave me alone. Oh, that was great. I learnt there that being codependent really works. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, well, it's a defence mechanism. Yeah. And that's really what it is anyway. And uh, once in uh, junior high school, because I was always weak and scrawny, my nickname was, uh, well, I was often called a wog because I came from a you know, uh, West Southwestern European background. Yep. And anyone different back then in the uh, 70s and 80s was a wog yep. here, here uh, in Sydney. I remember that at the beginning of one period, the, the boys for fun hauled me up and stuck me in an empty locker and uh, locked me in there and put a padlock on it. You're kidding I was, me. I was missing for the whole period. <laughs> Were you scared? Uh no, I kind of knew I was going to be let out eventually. I didn't like it. Were you small enough to fit into a locker? Yeah, that's it. A an upper locker? Yeah. But you know what? I got the cane in high school a couple of times too. Like I said, the nerds used to hang together. Yeah. And there was a guy called Glenn. Hi, Glenn, if you're listening. Yeah. He lives somewhere in Tasmania now. Okay. There you go. I'm narrowing it down for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had an assignment to do uh, that we had to hand in this uh, one day. Uh, this is, I'm telling you this so you can psychoanalyze me. Yeah. Right? And we had this assignment we had to hand in one day, and I used to go over the top with my assignments because I was the class nerd. I would actually shade in every page with colouring pencil, you know, when I was in, in junior high school. Yeah. And it was like a 30-page assignment when you only had to do, you know, seven or eight pages. Every page beautifully coloured in and researched and everything. And that morning before school, I was in the library with, uh, with Glenn and I, and I decided to show him my assignment. I guess I wanted to show off a bit, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. between nerds we do that. 
And uh, I showed him my assignment. Well, he, he must have had a, a bad morning that morning. And uh, he took my assignment and he ripped it to shreds. Oh, no. Tiny little pieces. And I was furious. And I was livid. Did he kick his butt? No, because I didn't kick butt. But I got my revenge in another way. I would have been in grade eight here, so I would have been, let's say, 13. My mother used to prepare uh, lunch for me, and she always used to give me an orange cut in half. And so I waited till lunchtime when Glenn was in the queue for the canteen, and I walked up behind him, and I grabbed the back of his head with my left hand, and I had half an orange in my right hand, and I slowly and juiced pleasantly the juiced the orange on his, on his nose, and then squeezed what was left down the front of his shirt. Did he enjoy it? No, he didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> and I got taken to the deputy principal, and I got the cane. And he destroyed your homework? And he destroyed my homework. So when the teacher said, Eliezer? Where's your homework? You said the dog ate my homework or... Yeah, that dog destroyed it. Yeah, that's it. Glenn destroyed my homework. But I got the cane. So it was kind of like what had happened to me in primary school. Remember I told you? Yeah, yeah. Like the roles were reversed there. Did it become physical after that? Did he want to hit you or... No, no. No, he didn't. He wasn't that sort of a guy. Yeah. I found out later... Well, he told me later on that he was diabetic and, and... had all sorts of health problems, so I felt sorry that I'd, I'd done that. Yeah. But that's kind of how I coped in, in school. I, I, I've never seen myself as a physical fighter, but I've got a tongue that can cut people to shreds, and, and, and I've always used my wit to get me out of strife, mm-hmm. talk my way out of a wet paper bag, or I can pose some questions sometimes that are more telling than they are. When we notice um, in these chats that we have. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. You talk a lot, Graham. Yeah, well, that's my defence mechanism. Yeah. I'm a gas bag. Mm. Talk under a bucket of wet cement. That's right. But this is about your education. That's I asked the question to begin with, so tell me more. Our education, our education. Yeah, I guess it is our education. If there's one thing about schooling is that it funnels you into being a certain way. Yep. Did you, you know, in the years that you went to school, did you notice that? It made me more independent because I realised that I had to, I was going to have to rely on myself to get where I needed to go because school wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. Kind of like church in some ways. Yeah. Anyway, it made me uh, much more self-sufficient. Actually, it made me a lot more proactive. I had to look for other ways of achieving the end result I wanted. I had to be pragmatic and I had to extend myself outside the box a bit. I think back then when you and I went to school... School was more, much more about putting people in boxes. I mean, I reckon it still is. Mm. And more about rote learning and not actually teaching people to think. See, you, you learnt to think really well, Graham, if I may say so. Tough. Yeah, and school didn't teach you that. No, um, I had to do it the hard way. Yeah. But I think school these days, at least the, the really good teachers, uh, they, they try to teach their students to, to think more than just know stuff, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But there's still too much about putting people in into boxes. So I was always really good at uh, the humanities, you know, mm-hmm. English and, and all the social sciences, not that good at maths. But there was this perception at the school that I went to in, in high school that if you were intelligent, you'd tend to do more the math subjects because they were harder and the humanities were, were easier. Yeah. And because if you were smart, you'd end up being a doctor or, uh, you know, those, those sort of professions. 
So I ended up in, in high school in year 12, which I know you didn't reach. You, mm. sort of, you skipped that bit because you were too advanced, Graham. But I, I ended up doing maths, chemistry and physics. And, and you know what? I ended up passing them all. Yeah. But just, like, I think I got 53% for maths, 51% for physics and whatever for chem- chemistry. But I shouldn't have listened to the box that school was trying to put me in. And I should have actually done the things that I loved, the things that I was good at. That's where school sometimes misses the mark because it's it's kind of too big. Mm. And it, it doesn't understand what it's working with mm. in a lot of cases. Tell me, Graham, did you have any, any teachers in your short years of schooling that influenced your life in any way, for good or for bad? Well, no. No? Only one in a probably not-so-healthy way, and that was Miss McGarry. Oh. She was a high school music teacher in first year at high school, and she was beautiful. I dreamt about her every day. Oh, dear. I actually... A crush. I had a crush on Miss McGarry, mm-hmm. and uh, I was devastated when she she was engaged to be married. Uh, I just had a future lined up with Miss McGarry, but mm-hmm. anyway, that was the only reason that kept you in school. Well, it, I actually I actually took up an instrument so that I could spend after school time really in her in her presence. Yeah, I can't imagine you playing anything. I play a guitar a little bit. Do you? Is yeah. that what you took up? Uh, no, I actually I actually had a I think it was a it was a brass instrument. I can't remember what it was, wow. but I didn't enjoy it, but I was no good at it. I play a fishing rod pretty well. Yeah, you do. How do you know? Well, because you tell me. <laughs> Not through actually ever seeing you catch anything. <laughs> yeah, so no school teacher has ever had an impact on me. That's really amazing because if you think about most kids, I mean, you've said it often that most dads spend an average of 37 seconds with their kids a day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's not a goal. That's the actual amount. Yeah. Right? Most kids spend much longer with their teachers in school. Yeah. Think about primary school, for example. Yeah. And their teachers and, and schooling is a much, much bigger influence in their lives than their their dads or, the, or their, or their mums. Yeah, that's true. It's a big responsibility for teachers when you put it that way. Yeah, that's right. You're a teacher. Well, I, I used to be a teacher. Yeah. That was my first job. You should have built a house in the playground so you could spend your whole life in school. Uh, no. When I finished uni, I was actually offered a Commonwealth Postgraduate Scholarship to get paid to do, go on and do a PhD because, like I said, I was pretty good at school. I've got a PhD. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the shed, post hole digger. Post hole digger? Yeah. Yeah, see, my yours is more advanced than mine because I wouldn't <laughs> know how to operate that. <laughs> and uh, But when I got offered that, I actually went through the process of, uh, you know, doing the initial stages. Then I turned it down because I was actually sick of studying. I wanted to do something useful and, and be productive, and, and so I went out and, and worked. And so my first job was a, as a as a high, high school teacher, and then I picked up study along along the way. And I was sick of bludging off my parents, Yeah, basically. I kept on living at home. I just wanted to start to have some independence. I didn't like bludging off anybody. I, I think I've only ever been on the dole for three weeks in my life. You know, I've always had to identify myself by the fact that I would go out and work and earn a living and try and make things do, even though I had to rely on my parents. Because back in those days when I left school mm. at 13, I had to pretend I was 16 or older Wow! in order to get a job. And my first job 
was copy boy at the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah. And I got paid the princely sum of $7.50 a week, but it used to cost me $8 for transport to get mm-hmm. to work. So I only did that for a little while, and then I pretended someone said to me, oh, you look a lot older than you are. So my next job, I, I told them I was 18, and they believed me, and they said, well, we need to see your birth certificate. And I said, oh, can I bring it next week? And they said, yeah, come to work, but bring your birth certificate later, and I never ever did, and they never remembered to ask me. Yeah, well, let's not go through your whole employment history along those lines. No. No. But I was actually a naughty boy at school. No, you weren't. I was. You're an angel. You've got this halo and wings. No, no one ever picked me. I was the nerdy guy that instigated all the trouble. Were you Ellie the evil one? I was. I don't believe you. We had one teacher who insisted on everyone sitting at set desks. And this teacher would sit me right in front of, of their desk. And next to me... He would always put the naughtiest boy in the class. I'm remembering his name was Ross. And uh, I would goad Ross on to greater exploits of evil and mischief. <laughs> and I would never, even though I was right under the teacher's nose, he'd never pick me. Actually, right. you do that to me. Do I? Oh, yeah. We'll talk about I'm, that another time. I'm sneaky. You are. Yeah. Like one day we're all meant to be doing silent reading or something horrendous like that. I prodded Ross with my elbow and I pointed at the ceiling and I said, look, there's a fly. And that set Ross off. Oh, look at the fly over there. Look at the fly. Oh, it, that's buzzing up there. Look, it, it's going to go in your mouth. Oh, there's a fly. There was no fly. But the whole class was suddenly interested in this non-existent fly. And Ross just wouldn't let go of this fly until he drove the teacher nuts. Ross got in huge trouble. I was fine. How'd you feel about that? Great. Then there was this time when the uh, same, <laughs> same teacher, he insisted on us lining up. We were in grade nine with our bags. And so we were lining up one day and I noticed he'd left an open window. And I said to the class, the window's open. Let's all go in and just set up on the desks and leave our bags in the class and then just come out and line up. I said, that'll confuse uh, this teacher no end. I won't say his name. So that's what we did. The whole class. Every boy, every girl climbed in through that empty window with their bag and put their bag so neatly beside their desks. Set up, we set up our pencil cases, pens and rulers and everything absolutely neatly with precision on every desk. And then we all climbed back out the window and lined up. Then this teacher comes back and he unlocks the door and he looked and he said, you are all lined up so well today. I'm impressed. Why can't you do this every class? We were so good. We were so silent. He said, you may come in. We filed in in an orderly way. We all sat down where we had previously put our stuff. And he goes to the front of his desk. He looks around with a bewildered look as if there was something odd. (laughs) And he started his lesson. And we just rolled laughing on the floor and he, cause he, was, he was none the wiser. But this was Ellie the evildoer. But you were Ellie the leader. I, well, kind of. But because you, you got everyone to... But no one picked me. No one picked you? No. So going back to influential teachers, Yeah. who was the most influential teacher in your life and why? Influential teacher. Well... That's a really good question because I've never really thought about it. Mm. If I think back to primary school, the most influential teacher was my kindy teacher, 
whose name I forget right now, but I have it written down somewhere. And she was an older lady, and I started school young. I was, I was, I think, uh, almost five. I wasn't even quite five, and in kindergarten in Sydney. But being a a person from a non-Anglo-Saxon background and not knowing any English, that I learnt real quick, by the way, because mm. I was, I was young. Um, this teacher really looked after me. I remember, even though I was really young. You know, she would actually pick me up and hold me and cared for me wow. and was very loving for me because I was tiny. They can't do that anymore, can no. they? No, and, and she would encourage the, the older girls because mm-hmm. um, it was a tiny little school where all the grades were all combined, mm-hmm. you know, the, the grade five and six girls to do the same. Sometimes I'd get carried from here to there. She modelled care and, and affection for me. Uh, and so I think uh, I really loved her. It's difficult to think that far back, you know, when you're 53. But yeah, my kindy teacher would be a really influential one there. Also, so love and kindness is very influential. Love and it? kindness. It yeah. sticks in your mind. And for, I, yeah. I reckon, so I reckon if you'd had a teacher who'd been kind to you, Graham, hmm. you know, uh, who'd singled you out and given you some special attention in a, hmm. in a good way, you know, you would have had some better memories of school. I would have, yeah. You might have stuck around another year or two. Would have um, been good if I had. But then in grade six, we had uh, the deputy principal was my teacher in grade six. Hated him. I won't yeah. say his name. Yeah. Why did you hate him? Because he could never see the good in anyone. Okay. Right? Not just in me, in anyone. He mustn't have enjoyed his job then. No. And if there was ever anyone looking back that I could pick out a saying, this sounds terrible to say, but someone who would have abused little girls would have been him. He would always give certain girls special tasks to do. Oh, dear. And, uh, and always showed favouritism to certain girls, right? And, mm. and I didn't understand then, but I always felt left out. But I remember once he, he asked the class this question. He said, if you and me were stuck on a deserted island or in a jungle... In the jungle, I think it was. But I remember the exact scenario. And I had to trust you with something really important and our lives depended on it. Who do you think I would trust the most? It sounds to me like a really suspicious question now looking back on it. Out right? of the whole class. Out of the whole class. Mm. You know, to, to keep a secret. Ooh. You know, who would be the most trustworthy? Sounds sinister to me. Yeah. Well, he always came across that way. He was a deputy principal, an older gentleman. And what really upset me is that he didn't pick me as being the most trustworthy. I look at the sinister side of it now, looking mm. back, right? But, yeah. but at the time, because I counted myself as being really, I don't know. Loyal. Moral, loyal, yeah, honest, yeah. Yep. and whatnot. He actually chose a, another boy. Yeah. Um, Did he say why he chose that boy? Did he highlight yeah, his qualities? Yeah, he did. He, he did. And it was really weird because he said that he, cause he was really tough and, and he would withstand under torture. Anyway. That, what a counterproductive thing to do to a class because everybody else fails. Yeah, I felt like a failure. Mm. But then if I go to high school, I had some so-so teachers, but then I had some really good teachers. If I could highlight any of them, and it might be, you know, I might be talking about a couple of teachers uh, going through high school, they were actually the teachers that taught me Bible. Okay. Right? Yeah. Because... RE teachers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, religion 
teachers. Because I've been on a journey all my life to understand God. And these teachers actually challenged me intellectually. I didn't get much intellectual challenge from church, although I was a good church-going boy, Mm. because that was more like rote learning. Yeah, you know, remembering Bible verses and Jesus rules, this yeah, and all that. that sort of thing. But these teachers actually challenged me to think about why I believed, and I started a, a process of me challenging myself throughout my life, which I think is really important for people. Yeah, you know, you've got to keep growing, you've got to keep challenging, yeah. and and that challenge moved from an intellectual challenge of knowing why I believe, to really, really believing from all of my heart, all of my soul into what I believe. It's a journey I'm still on now, but, yeah, there were some really good teachers that started that off for me. You know what? There was a teacher that inspired me. Yeah? Mm. Good. He was the one I hated the most, Mr. (laughs) Preston. You started off with him? I started off with him. He inspired me the most because I achieved to teach him a lesson. I wanted to teach him that I was worth more than he told me I was in that maths class. Mm -hmm. He didn't set out to inspire me. He set out to belittle me. Mm. But every time I make an announcement from the front of the aeroplane, I often imagine that he's sitting down the back saying, Captain Hood, where do I know that name from? Mm. And I did what I did largely because he said I couldn't make anything of myself. So what an inspiration was that. Even out of the negatives, there comes a positive. There always is. And I think this chat is good because men that I know go through life and they don't reflect on what has made them the men that they are. Mm. And I know we've mm. talked about our fathers and yeah. our, you know, our homes and whatnot. But like I said before, the reality is that we, as kids, we spent most of our time in classrooms at school. We had more meaningful relationships for good or for evil, whether we recognise it or not. Constructive or not. Yeah, Mm. with with school, with our teachers and with our friends there at school. And often we don't unpack why we are the way we are today. And just in what you said there, Graham, I think that's amazing Mm. that Mr Preston has never really left you. No, he never has. He's still there. He's still controlling me. After 45 years or more. Yeah, it is. And you know, the, um, the, the thing I love about this journey of life, and it's in the serenity prayer mm. that we use in our recovery program, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, mm. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Mm. And I'll stop there. The negative experiences of those times for me made me more resilient and more determined to prove the first opinions of me were wrong. Mm. And I think we can do that. And you know, and from that point, Elliot School, I decided I was never going to take anyone's opinion of me unless it was the opinion that fitted where I wanted to go. Yeah. So if you don't like the first opinion, get another opinion. Mm. You know, the same thing in, in my life, Gary, who bashed me up in grade six, and Glenn, whose face I juiced uh, <laughs> in the canteen queue. Wouldn't it be funny if he had one of those juicing bar franchises? That's right. That's yeah. right. You might have started him off yeah, on a journey. He enjoyed it so much. Yeah. And uh, the teachers I mentioned, uh, the good and the bad, mm. they've never really left me. Yeah. 
And we need to recognise that we are, as men, the sum product of all of those people who've been in our lives. The question is, what do you do with them? You know, we need to come to the point uh, where we use every one of those influences for good. The good ones we can magnify in our lives, and those ones who had a bad influence, you know, like in your case, he spurred you on to prove him wrong, to not be like yeah. him, and that's a magnificent achievement. If we could look at our life on a wall like a tapestry, yeah, it would probably look amazing. Each one of us would have an amazing tapestry, but if we withdrew the threads of the bits we didn't like, the whole thing would collapse. That's it. Glenn was a juicing guy. Yeah. Imagine if you looked at your tapestry and you thought, no, I'm going to take the Glenn thread out. Mm. and I'm going to take the Ross thread out, and I'm going to take my dad's thread out, and I'm going to take Mr Preston's thread out. Mm. By the time we did that, there wouldn't be a whole lot there, and it wouldn't look anywhere near as colourful as it does now. Yeah. Mm. And I can look back to those incidents, and I can see myself in them. In other words, I can understand why I respond the way I do today to, yeah. to life, and and that information you know i can use it now i can process it now as an adult yeah to become a better person and uh maybe not juice anyone else's face ever again <laughs> i'm gonna live with that <laughs> thought for a while and i'm just doing some maths in my head now and, and that's ironic because mr preston was a maths teacher if he was alive today he'd probably be about 110 so he's probably not alive today because no, you did school in the victorian era era you did yeah well even pre-victorian era yeah. you know. Edwardian era. They hadn't discovered gunpowder yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, I used to remember dipping girls' pigtails in the inkwell, like we used to use ink. Wow. Did you use pen and ink? Uh, no. No, but when I started school, the table still had the, the little hole for the inkwell. Yeah, in yeah. 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 I was, one of my jobs in primary school was to fill the inkwells. I'm so glad you're still alive to talk to me from time to time, know, Graham. I know. I know. Fantastic. I'm, my age is really catching up with me, but... Uh, if you are alive somewhere, Mr. Preston, and you happen to be listening to this, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Mm. And thank you to all my teachers too. <laughs> yeah, and all those kids who bullied me, thank you. Yes. Because you're all part of my rich tapestry. That's it. And you don't want to be thanked for being who you were at the time, but um, I thank you. Yeah, and I hope that you've grown as much as Graham and I have. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's do it again soon, Graham. Yeah, I love these chats be nice to do one of these in a fishing boat one day well you keep promising but you keep preferring to fly in those trucks with wings and make the big money yeah i'm preferring it less and less and looking more at the tinny and thinking that's what i want to drive from now yeah, on. you keep doing that i will okay see you mate talk to you soon mate bye. love you bye love you too mates in courage brought to you by good news unlimited To sign up for Graham and Ellie's daily spiritual message emails about recovering from addictions, hurts and hang-ups, visit goodnewsunlimited.com. To book Graham and Ellie for talks, get in touch at the same website. And if you're troubled by anything you've heard, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or an equivalent service in your own country. Thanks for listening. Mates in Courage. Catch you in the next episode.